It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I am excited, beyond excited, to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Jay Samet. He's an accomplished executive with 25 years' experience launching new ventures, employing strategies for global technology media companies. Uh, most importantly, for the purpose of this, this interview, he's the author of a great book called Disrupt You, Master Personal Transformation, Seize Opportunity, and Thrive in the Era of Endless Innovation. He's also an adjunct professor at the USC Viterbi School of Engineering. And uh, Jay, welcome to Accelerate. Hey, Andy, thanks for having me. And I was, I was going to tell listeners that really even before they, they listen to this interview, is mate, put this on pause for a second and go watch your TED Talk on Disrupt You and Disrupt Yourself and then come back here because I think it would be a great basis for, uh, for the conversation. It was, a, oh. it was a great talk. It was one of the better ones I'd seen. Thank you so much. So, uh, well, take a minute, introduce yourself, maybe fill out that sketch I gave of you. Yeah, so so I've been very fortunate to have launched several billion-dollar companies and and transformed different industries that we now take for granted, whether it was the PC or e-commerce or digital music. And what I noticed as more and more friends became billionaires, as more and more self-made billionaires in their 20s are happening every month, that it's not that these people had the right connections or went to the right schools or inherited wealth. It's that they saw the world differently. I mean, a self-made billionaire has the same 24 hours a day that you and I do, but they're looking at the opportunities differently. And so Disrupt You was really about decoding that process so that anybody can take their career, their life, their goals to the next level. And, you know, sales is at the center part of this. The entire sales process that was trained in the old days is being disrupted and companies are disappearing, 100-year-old companies, and being replaced uh, by startups, whether in technology or outside of technology, in new ways because we're now connected in new ways. So tell the story of your first sort of self-disruption to describe what you mean by the by disruption, because I think you know, a lot written about disruptive technologies, so on and so forth. But you know, this has a very distinct meaning in the way you write about it. And maybe the best way to describe it is the process you went through with your first time. So uh, back in the in the Stone Age, uh, the California lottery was 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 uh, going to be happening, and and. Uh, uh, we had worked on the state-of-the-art machine where everybody had a little green screen back before computers had graphics and it just said the numbers and would print your ticket. Uh, we'd created a machine that had video, which we now take for granted, and a motion detector that would go, psst, what would you do with a million dollars when you walked by? And, and did it in eight different languages and all this cool stuff. And we were up for the contract for California. And I was convinced I was going to be a 20-something-year-old multimillionaire with the best technology. This could not lose. What's in the footnotes of the book, and nobody goes back to, is the FBI actually had a videotape of a state senator getting a suitcase of $50,000 cash from our competitor. And lo and behold, they win the contract. And some of I, those executives from that competitor ended up in jail, though, right? Yeah. I was devastated. I right. put every, every dime I had. I had, you know, maxed out my credit cards. I had a young two kids. I'm a startup. I built the greatest machine, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I'm flying back dejected and broke. 
And I land at LAX and I really can't even afford a cab ride home. So I'm trying to figure out public transportation, which LA doesn't have. That's a 24-hour journey probably to your home. From Yeah. And back in the day, they used to have little volunteered old ladies that would sit at a counter to welcome visitors and explain stuff to you. Well, they only worked so many hours a day. They only spoke English. And I'm sitting there and going, wait a second. If you had a kiosk at the airport, if you had kiosks at all the terminals that spoke every language, there's 50 million people that visit this place. Fast story. Why don't I take the lottery machine, turn into kiosks? And today, there's more kiosks at airports than there are employees. Um, So... What I learned is to see every obstacle as an opportunity in disguise. Two kids sit in traffic in Tel Aviv, and they go, wow, this traffic sucks, but the phone company knows my phone's in my car and his is in his car. If they told me to go left and him to go right, there'd be no traffic. That was ways. Before they had sold a single dime worth of revenue, they were acquired for over a billion dollars. It's that simple. And this is happening every day because what is different is we can now reach 6 billion consumers, your customers, if you're a salesperson, think of that person sitting across the desk that you're selling to. You're not selling to, you know, I've done deals with Coke and P&G and McDonald's and Toyota and all these big brands, but I never sold to a company in my life. I sold to that individual across the desk. What's their concern? What's their fear? How do they keep their job? What can you do to make their life better? If you solve for others, you'll end up solving for yourself. And so self-disruption is really about holding that scalpel and doing plastic surgery. It's about looking about what, what you're lacking, what belief systems were drilled into you by parents and teachers that didn't want you to suffer the failure, you know, and you end up listening to people that gave up on their dreams rather than pursue your own. Yeah, you talk about it. if you don't pursue your own dreams, you'll end up working for the people that are pursuing theirs. Right. Or or as we get into more automation, over the next five years, half of all white-collar jobs in the U.S. will disappear. Wait, or, go, or what period of time? Five years. So what's driving that? And I mean, I understand go, automation, but I mean, specifically, yeah, all, what? Automation, robotics, downside. If you look at the 2008 recession, corporate America has responded fantastically. Stock market's up, profits are up, and yet the Fortune 500 employ one million less than they did six years ago. And, and let me just give you a hundred year view in two seconds, but it's make this crystal clear. Let's go back to 1900. Half of the country were farmers. It took half the country to feed the other half. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With the tractor and irrigation, we started mechanizing farms. We didn't have massive unemployment because Henry Ford and the Industrial Revolution took all those people. But now with automation and robotics, you know, the new Tesla factory basically has no employees and can make a car. So the Industrial Revolution took half those jobs and just switched them. Now those are disappearing. Today, it's 1.6% of our population makes food for not just the other 98%, but we export to the rest of the world. That same efficiency will be happening in manufacturing, in transportation, in sales. AI systems will replace lawyers and accountants. The number one job on U.S. tax returns is truck driver. This week, as I've predicted for a long time, uh, Travis and everybody at Uber has launched their first autonomous Uber vehicles in Pittsburgh. Right. Volvo C70s. Yeah. 
Mercedes has 18 wheelers going on the Autobahn in Germany. There are self-driving autonomous freighter ships going across the oceans that don't have to worry about pirates. So millions of people will lose their jobs. But this is also the greatest time to start a business. This is the greatest time to expand your business because you're no longer limited by geography, by language, uh, even by currency. So when you go through the self-disruption, I mean, for people, and you address this in your TED Talk and in your book, I mean, it's, it's this fear that holds people back from taking these, these steps. Absolutely. So you have to get to some basic existential questions. And the first one is, you know, unless you really, really believe in reincarnation, you got one shot here. Okay. I gave this talk in India. It didn't go over the same way. Um, but what's the purpose of life? And to me, the purpose of life is to live a life of purpose, to achieve something, to, to make the world better. You don't get to live forever, but what you create can and can have an impact. So if you, if you have this gift, this amazing odds of all these planets and all these stars that were here, what do you want to do with it? And what is stopping you? So as I talked about in the TED Talk and, and briefly in the book, I wasn't supposed to be successful. I was stupid. I was dyslexic. I didn't speak it the same way that all the other kids did. So all the well-wishers and teachers and everybody basically wanted to steer me to things where I wouldn't be hurt and thought less of. And maintain your self-esteem. And that isn't the right approach. We all have a unique life and a path. And so when you look in most of the successful businesses out there, they weren't wholly formed as this genius idea that for the most part, somebody just stumbled farther down a path looking at what they thought was a genius idea than anybody else bothered to go. And when they're that deep in the woods is when they discovered something that nobody else saw. I, I give tons of examples in the book, as you know, but a real simple one. Uh, that I love is computer dating. So computer dating was popular. Then broadband comes along and these three guys say, wait a second, we can revolutionize online dating by putting videos. Everybody else has still pictures. We're going to make a fortune. And they put up a site called tune in hook up mm -hmm. and they did everything perfectly. Brilliant engineering, great videos. One minor problem. The people that signed up were the biggest collection of losers that no one ever wanted to date. Tragic flaw. But they looked at the data. And even though nobody wanted to date these people, every woman wanted to show her friends, this is what I have to choose from. They started sharing the videos. So they changed the name of Tune and Hookup to YouTube. And 10 months in, sold for a couple billion dollars. That process is being repeated over and over again. Because at the same time that we're able to reach a broader audience, our corporate mentality, and I've been a public CEO, is this 90-day sprint. Right. You, can't, you can't invest in technology that takes years. You can't look at, here's what we're going to next year or two years from now. The life expectancy of a public CEO is very short. Of a CMO, it's even shorter. So people are making all these short-term decisions. And one of the benefits of that to the entrepreneur and the creative thinker is they would rather overpay for something that's already proven, even if it's not profitable, then have a drain on their quarterly numbers of building it from scratch. Right. And that's a huge opportunity. So how do you put that opportunity in the context of, you know, sales professional, 
yeah, maybe never destined to be a, an entrepreneur, but for self-improvement. Okay. I mean, I mean in, in, within what they're doing, within their profession, within sales. So let's pretend for a second that you're the sales guy who sells drills, electric drills. Okay? Sure. No one ever wanted to buy an electric drill. Somebody wanted a hole. Exactly. Okay. So it's really about looking at not what your product is, but what is the solution for the other person? And your best salespeople listening already know this. Mm-hmm. What else can you put together? So the example that, that, that uh, I talked about in my own career is I was suddenly at Sony tasked with competing with iTunes, which had a two-year head start and Sony was asleep. And Apple's the best marketing company in the world. They can spend more money than my little new startup download store can. How do I compete? So I looked around the world at who had a problem that had nothing to do with music, had nothing to do with the download, but who has big problems and big reach. And the two headlines back then were McDonald's business was suffering because the movie Super Size Me came out mm-hmm. and it was deemed as, you know, it, it killed their numbers. And United Airlines was in bankruptcy, the biggest airline. And you go, okay, Jay, what does this have to do? How can I take my problem and use it as a solution to solve for somebody else and therefore leverage their spend and increase the sale? So punchline of the story is pitch McDonald's. I can make them hip and cool again with buy Big Mac, get a free track and put a code on every every Big Mac and have them spend $60 million on TV commercials, signs in store, trade liners, 100 million people go through there and do that. And United, back when we all watched the same movie at the same time on the big screen, why not have them allow people to use their frequent flyer miles to buy other things such as downloads and do a concert in the sky with Cheryl Crow to announce this new, exciting new United. Ends up, you get tons of press, you get earned media, you get, we got uh, 20 million customers the, the first month mm-hmm. and all that costs nothing not a penny. It's by solving for others, we solve for ourselves. So it's about taking that sales approach of a more holistic other than how many gross cartons are you going to buy, right? If you get into the, I can sell it to you cheaper, you're a race to the bottom. And I will tell you that there's somebody in a uh, country that has cheaper labor, cheaper supplies that will always be able to undersell you. But if you can provide a solution to that individual, if you become a resource of knowledge, of, of data, of something that can help them do their job better, you're an invaluable part of that person's career. And that sale is a given. And getting to that position, as you talk about in the book, is, you know, it's a deliberate process. You know, this Absolutely. is not something that you just, you know, hey, I'm floating along, I'm going to read something here and there, right. and maybe I'll get better. It's, it's and, it's an, and it's an easy process. And to help people, and again, to anybody listening, and if you listen this far into this, you're halfway there because you're seeking knowledge. I'll give a free 40-page workbook to any of your listeners. Okay. They, can just, they can just go to jsamet.com and click on the link, and it walks them through that process of how in 30 days they can have a transformative idea that they know will be what I call a a zombie idea, an idea that you can't kill. And uh, that's my gift to start people on this because we all benefit from people solving problems for us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's all an entrepreneur is. 
And every day I hear from, from readers that have built some amazing things and, and conquered problems that everybody else always just went with, that's the way it always is. I'll give you one of my favorites that's not in the book. Have you ever, or if you have elderly parents or whatever, you know, they, they take out their pill bottle, then the phone rings, and then they, they finish the phone call. Did they take their medicine or, or didn't not. they? Right. Okay. Efficacy of prescriptions is the number one thing that we could change in a, a Obama healthcare society that will save billions of dollars. People get healthy faster, need less drugs, and, and conversely stop overdoses. All. Huge problem, but nobody just, ever thought of that. Right, as just make like, sure they take their medications. Right. Nobody ever thought of that as something to solve. So a guy took a Happy Meal watch, one of those nickel watches, you know, little digital mm-hmm. display, attaches it to a pill bottle lid. So every time you close the lid, it sounds, sets the countdown clock over again. So you pick up your pill bottle and says, oh, I opened this three minutes ago. Yes, I took my pill. Oh, it hasn't been opened in eight hours. No, I did not. That product is now being sold everywhere, but there's now legislation being worked on to mandate it because it'll save us taxpayers tens of billions of dollars and we'll make this person very, very wealthy. Very, very wealthy. <laughs> what a fabulous idea. Fabulous. And there are tons of these every day. So... It's really about looking how the world has changed and what problems you still have. Well, I think and, one, I'm sorry, go ahead. And all you have to do is, is and start today. You know, the best time to start your business was a year ago. You know, the best time to improve yourself was a year ago. Second best time's now. You know, what are three problems in your company? What are three problems in your career? Write them down. But do this every day for a month. The first day, it's kind of easy. But after you get a couple days into it, you really have to start looking at everything in your life moment by moment. What are you doing out of rote process? Because it means we have to think less. We can live our days without thinking. But if you start breaking down moment by moment, you'll see that that pill is a, is a billion-dollar opportunity. You'll see traffic as a billion-dollar opportunity. And then you start saying, what has changed? What new tools? How, how can... Something in social media let me reach everybody. How can I do this locally? How can I use mobile? What has changed? Even if you're not in technology. Uh, I just spoke at, at a convention of the people that do customized promotional products. Pens that have names on it and giveaways. And they're all worried that China's now going direct. The guy that has the exclusive for some factory and he had the exclusive for Ohio's now going to be disintermediated and his career will be disrupted. Mm -hmm. But he saw himself as selling physical tchotchkes as opposed to providing a marketing solution. So if he understood what the client need was, nobody wanted pens. They wanted something memorable of their company. So now with 3D printers, you can make custom desserts at that meal. You can make the froth on the latte with the logo of the company at the break at the conference. You can do these extremely memorable things that have a higher margin to the salesperson than selling a gross of pens for 87 cents a pen. Well, as you say in the TEDx talk is that consciously or unconsciously, we choose to lose our jobs. I mean, you talk about the million or the half of the white collar jobs that get disappeared. What you're saying is that that's our choice. Some are consciously right. or unconsciously. We're, we're either being satisfied or staying in place or we're dis- disrupting ourselves and moving forward. Yeah, here's a simple question. I'm 55. 
Would you go to a doctor my age, Andy, if I told you before the, 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 you came into my office that I haven't taken a single course since I graduated medical school 30 years ago? No. No. Because all the new procedures, all the new drugs, how could you do that? Oh, my God, you shouldn't be allowed to be a doctor. Now hold a mirror up to your face, whoever you are that's listening. What are you doing to continue to grow? What are you continuing to make yourself indispensable? In, if you are not unique and the best of what you are doing, you will be replaced. It's that simple. So you're choosing to be thrown out like a razor. Where on the other hand, I've always focused on what are the next opportunities. And if you're the only one doing it, you're the best in the world at what you do. So there may have been other people who have, could have designed the first online auction better or different. But eBay's doing just fine. You know? Mm -hmm. you know, I worked with Reed on LinkedIn. Maybe somebody else could have come up with something different. But when you change the paradigm, you then control that turf. Now, eventually, a disruptor will come and disrupt you. And I've had that experience as well. And the speed of change is very fast, but you're in control. Disruption isn't about what happens to you. It's about how you respond to what happens to you. I can tell you tons of people that getting fired was the best thing that ever happened in their life. Because it yes. forced them out of that mindset, took the blinders off, and they then saw new opportunities and had success. It's really interesting that everybody that has a job at a Fortune 500 company, you know, feels really secure. Well, this is the <laughs> 60th anniversary of the Fortune 500. Right. Only 57 are still on the list of the original companies. So I, I was, you know, a president of EMI, a hundred-year-old music company. Mm -hmm. They signed Enrico Caruso. The Beatles, Pink Floyd, Sinatra, you know, the Beach Boys, an amazing company. It's no more. Right. Right? Kodak invented the digital camera in 1975, but it didn't have the profit margin of film. So whoever was in charge of it was destined to career death. Kodak, 100-year-old company, gone. gone. Yeah. You know? So, and, and this well, is the and same it was, also It was that for, fear of failure that... The that prevented people from changing though, that you talk about. A hundred percent. It is the most fiendish thief on earth because it not only robs you of success, but it robs the world of your unique ideas. So in your talk, you talk about the difference between failing and failure. If you could explain that for sure. our audience, I think it's a great, a great point to get to. So failing is discovering what doesn't work. You know, Thomas Edison famously said, you know, he failed 10,000 times before he came up with the light bulb. Okay. Right. Um, failure is throwing in the towel and giving up. We all fail. Um, years ago, and it's in the TED Talk, but uh, I knew the guys before they were millionaires. I worked with these two guys who had a genius idea. I'm talking like major genius. What if you hook up traffic lights, this is the 1970s, to computers and reduce urban congestion? Can't fail. Company's called Trafo Data. Two genius guys. You know what? It failed. Why? Because city planners had no idea what they were talking about, and they were like 15 and 17 years old. Right. So when it failed, they didn't give up. The next year, they started a company called Microsoft, <laughs> and Bill uh, and, and Paul did, I think, uh, you know, a few thousand dollars that first year. Uh, They've done all right the, by themselves. And then they changed the world. So 
you know, Walt Disney failed and Heinz of Heinz Ketchup failed and Colonel Sanders, you know, didn't hit success till he was 65. You know, he had a lifetime of failure, you know, and what all these people have in common is they learned from failing. You know, if you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth and you've never achieved anything, then you haven't learned anything to contribute. But if you've had obstacles, if you've had failures, that's where the learning takes place. That's where the insight takes place. You see things that others wouldn't have discovered. So embrace failing. Be proud of failing because that means you tried. You embraced action. Yeah. It's just like, you know, I, I'm try to, you know, help people and give back. And I've dedicated the last third of my life to teaching this entrepreneurship to people because society needs it. We have 2.3 billion millennials and there will not be jobs for them. And if you look at what's happening in the inner cities, when you look at what's happening in Ferguson and Milwaukee and Baltimore or, or in Spain or in, 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 in Rio de Janeiro or even in ISIS, it's not race, religion, or culture. It's massive unemployment for a giant generation for whom there will not be secure employment. So unless we teach people how to solve problems and build local businesses and build, you know, so many opportunities that didn't exist before, we're going to have a destabilized country and a destabilized world. Yeah. When it's, and we talked about this before we got on the air, is, is something I just read about somebody projecting how the, the tech industry is going to evolve, just the IT segment with it, is that you know, as you have this ability to bring really sort of hyper-focused solutions using technology to bear, that if the trend continues, you're talking about creating millions of jobs, millions of companies that are able to serve these these unique niche markets that play to your unique skills and capabilities that you talk about. Right. And and you now don't have to have all the knowledge. A lot of people go, well, I'm not technical. And I'm like, really? What was the first thing you looked at this morning before your feet hit the ground? What's the last thing that you mm -hmm. kissed before you went to sleep? It wasn't your spouse. It was your phone. phone. Right. Okay. So you're connected. You're one click away from 6 billion people. You only have to be right for a nanosecond to become a billionaire or change the world. It's really that simple. And, and you just have to start the process of thinking about how to prove data, how to not guide your decisions by opinions and assumptions, but you can now test things for free. You can see what works and what doesn't. And you can go out to the world and you can find the people that have the knowledge, okay? We, we, we admire, rightly so, for building the most valuable company in the world, Steve Jobs. How many lines of code did Steve Jobs write in his, in his life? Probably none. Zero. He's not an engineer. Right. Waz will tell you there'd be no Apple without him, which is also true. Exactly. Okay. Both of them worked and met when they were working for Nolan Bushnell at Atari. Um, so it's really the only things you need are insight and drive. And salespeople have the drive. Okay. There's nothing that doesn't work without sales. Uh, I, I was CEO of a company that uh, was acquired uh, by 21st Century Fox uh, for a couple hundred million. Um, and as CEO, I was not in the top 20 highest paid people. It was all my salespeople because I understood how to motivate and give them as much of the sale as I possibly could so we could grab as much of the turf as we possibly could because when you're growing a company, profits are not your main priority. Growth is. Mm -hmm. Right? So 
sales is such a great skill, but how many salespeople are willing to then take their knowledge and say, I can build a business around myself. You know, I can find the other skill pieces. And that's where LinkedIn comes in. That's where, you know, all the social connections we have. Uh, 3D printing. You don't have to own the means of the production. You can farm all these things out and have them go. Uh, it, it, it's an amazing, amazing opportunity. Well, and even for salespeople, that aren't, don't take the step to be entrepreneurs, but that concept you just gave is, you know, they're building a business around themselves, even as, you know, an account manager or an account exec. I mean, that's their business. That's the beauty of being in sales. And they own those accounts, they own those relationships, and if they solve for those individuals, and they know this as those individuals move through their careers and move to different companies, that business stays with them. I mean, I've learned from some of the best that are still, you know, people that I do business with to this day that I met, you know, because they help my, me and my young company succeed. Buying from them was a secondary part of that process. Right. So last part, last question on this part is, which I, again, something came from your talk and I thought was really good and want you to share with the audience is, is you have your two affirmations and I know some people think affirmations are corny personally. I like them. And, and the one that you used is one that's very, uh, sort of near and dear to my heart, sort of, so, I so, paraphrase it sort of myself, but every day, but, but I just love it. I think it's a good thing to leave people with. So, so let me just say that I'm not the tree hugging, you know, hippy dippy. Let's let's you know sit under under you know a lotus flower yeah, and, and and pontificate. That's not me. But here's what science will tell you when it's in disrupt you and it'll prove it. A negative state of mind won't have a positive idea. Think think of the most miserable customer that you have or coworker. You've never heard a good idea because you shut down. You shut down emotionally, physically, mentally. You, the hundred dollar bill could be right in front of that person and they just don't see it. Okay. Well, the same is true for you and I. And motivation like a shower is something you need every day. That's why I tweet at Jay Samet. I tweet tons of this motivational stuff that I, I find fun and helpful. But I start every day saying two things. And I say them out loud. I say them when I'm shaving. Today can be better than yesterday. Absolutely can. Whatever happened yesterday, don't, don't waste today's energy reliving yesterday's mistake. Today's a fresh day. Today, you can go to the Olympics. Today, you can be a star. Today, you can be anything you want, okay? And the second is, I have the power to make it so. You have full control over your life. When, when I look at some of the inventions when I wrote the book of, of, of kids in their teens that solved uh, cancer detection better than multi-billion dollar companies and they sold their technology and they're 14 and 15, they didn't come from special parents. They just weren't afraid to go, why not try this? So start every day with those two affirmations and just give it a week. And if you don't see more positivity coming from your brain, and here's the science behind it. When you're in a positive state of mind, you create dopamine. That's the same thing as, as people that take cocaine or, or methamphetamines, okay? It lights up the synaptic nerves, and you suddenly have more energy, you close more sales, you have higher intelligence. You know, all these things, you're, you're not intelligent. IQ, you can change that. It's, it's not written in stone. Um, you're an introvert, you're an extrovert. Not true, okay? You can change that. You can actually change the physiology, the physical wiring of your, your brain based on how you use it. So that old use it or lose it, you know you're not in the same shape as high school because you're not exercising like you did. Works the same with your brain. Use it. 
Absolutely. Well, Jay, well, that's been fantastic. So I want to thank you for being a guest on my show today. Uh, how can people find out more about you or get in touch with you? Um, love to hear from everybody. Uh, Jay Samet, J-A-Y-S-A-M-I-T.com is my website, at Jay Samet on Twitter, Jay Samet. Uh, you can find me anywhere. Uh, and, you know, I hope Disrupt You really helps you get the most out of your career and your life. And tell folks again about the workbook on your website. So there's a free 40-page workbook that gives you the exercise. It's a companion to the book. If you go to jsamet.com, just click the link, and I will send it to you for free so you can get started today in living the life you were meant to have. I'm going to download it. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Well, Jay, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Andy. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate part of your daily routine, whether you listen to commute and gym or make a party morning sales meeting. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Jay Samet, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of you and your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.